You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so as usual, it's time for Wayne on Wednesday. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FMB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. Wayne, do you ever get bored of markets just going up all the time? I mean, you're creating money, you're creating wealth for your pension funds, for your institutional investors, for your private clients. But sometimes you want a bit of action, don't you? Or don't you? No, um, I've learned that boring in investments is great. Mm. It, it should, in fact, be the natural state of affairs. You know, it, it should just be boring. You, you shouldn't have volatility in that. But, of course, markets going up and they just go up and up means they become expensive. Yes. And when they become expensive, there is the possibility of a correction. Now, this is actually foremost in my mind, and I know they're going up because they're boosted by essentially company results, earnings. I'm talking overseas in particular. Yes. But the what, what I think a lot of people don't understand is that ever since the global financial crisis, so what's that, 10, 12 years ago, mm-hmm. 13 years ago, the conditions for shares have been abnormally good. I mean, you've had the long bond rate at one stage at 0.6% in America. In Europe, you had the long bond at some stages negative. You've had interest rates in the developed world at zero. And you've had massive, massive injections by central banks into markets via quantitative easing, massive. And you've had governments spending uh, in deficit, you know, massively, hugely so in deficit. So could it have been better for shares? The answer is no. These are the most idyllic conditions for shares that I've seen in my lifetime. And maybe late 60s, I'm talking now whether this is also the best conditions for shares that Shapiro has seen in his lifetime, maybe the late 60s felt the same. So, you know, I was still at school, but Shapiro was a, he was he was old already in the sixties. Yeah, he was. So, uh, he was probably you know, uh, maybe, he, he probably had three children by the time you first yeah, uh, entered the market. Children and, and first 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 grandchild on the way, more than likely in the late sixties. Yeah, that sort so, of thing. We get the know, picture. So mm. that 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 might have been similar conditions, mm. but certainly in my investment career, conditions for shares have have never ever been better. And hence the market has gone up and we have had, uh, I think the biggest, I might be wrong, but I think the biggest bull market in 10-year bull market that I can trace in history. Well, immediately, immediately there's warning signs in because if this is the best yes. conditions you've ever seen, it's like saying the, the weather, we haven't had a, we, it hasn't rained for, for three months. It's the most beautiful weather. And it's going there to rain been, tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So Probably some, rain tomorrow. Something's around the corner. And now we know that the, yeah, we know that the Federal Reserve mm. is meeting right now, and we know they're going to start tapering. Now, where they get these words from, I'm not sure, but what tapering is, is at mm. the moment, they're buying 120 billion rands worth of interest-bearing instruments, mainly bonds, yes. in the market every month. Now, of course, normal economics, if they're more as far as the bond market is concerned, if there are more buyers around, it drops interest rates. You know? So if there's more buyers around, interest rates drop, 
and especially long-term interest rates, the long bond, etc. Yes. Especially long-term interest rates. When that drops, could it be better for shares? I mean, could it actually be better? The answer is no. Mm. But now they're doing tapering, and they'll either be pulling ten or twenty billion dollars less per month. So in other words, they're still buying. They're buying less, and they want to cancel that to zero by the middle of next year. So that is going to be announced. There's no doubt about that at all. Okay, so that's that's one of the risks. One of the things I've been doing recently, Wayne, is is with a with a, a, a private uh, asset management company, and one of my briefs is to look forward to two thousand and twenty two and look at the risks and the opportunities. We don't specifically talk about uh, companies or not even sectors. We just look at two thousand and twenty two and say. What are the risks and opportunities associated with those risks that you are either looking forward to or looking at with trepidation? What about you? Because yeah, I mean, I here we are, November already. It's nearly 2022. Yeah, I, think, I know. I think trepidation, Lindsay. Now, mm. there are obviously always mitigating factors. Mm. Companies are printing profits hand over fist. Yes. The underlying economy is doing well. So that's the first factor. The second factor is this is not a dot-com bubble or a, a, a credit binge. It was a dot-com bubble in 2002 and a credit binge in 2008. The biggest single mitigating factor against an almighty collapse in the share market is there's no consumer and company debt bubble. Right. Because to get a true collapse, you need a debt bubble to burst and there's no debt bubble. So the markets may come off if inflation doesn't fall. In other words, it's not transitory. I still think it is, but it will be essentially dependent on the oil price. And the oil price I know is coming down today, but, you know, that's one day. Yeah. And if, if inflation is 2.5% in the middle of next year in America, we'll be okay. The market, the equity market might still come off because you can't maintain 2.5% inflation and zero interest rates you know that doesn't work over time no so interest rates will go up and you know in the next move is up but as long as inflation is two two and a half percent we'll be okay that doesn't mean the market might not fall 10 or 15 percent but given the bull market that we've had 10 or 15 percent nothing but if inflation stays four percent or even above three percent then the market could see, you know, a good 20 to 30% correction as the rating of the market changes. Because simplistically, if uh, you can buy a long bond, currently it's 1.6%, but you're getting a 2% dividend yield, you're buying shares. Yes. But if that long bond all of a sudden is 3.5%, and you're getting a 2% dividend yield, you start to think, and that's why the rating will, will ultimately change if inflation stays high. So I think from now on, the risk is to the downside on shares. And I know I'm saying this as the stock market hits record, record highs virtually every day. Right. But, you know, norm, it's quite normal for a market to hit a record high the day before it starts to fall. Well, obviously, that's I mean, not abnormal. In fact, by it, definition. Happens every, it happens. Yeah. It happens every time. Yeah, by definition, by definition as you said. it does exactly. So, 
So you are surrounded by good news. And I, 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 I explain this a lot to clients because I think as I'm getting older, I become more philosophical. And I think that's a human characteristic. Is I try and explain the day before the market falls, the good news. You are surrounded by good news. All you'll hear is good news. Exactly. And the day before it goes up, you are completely and utterly surrounded by bad news. So, you know, you look at characteristics like that, you know, surrounded by bad news. When Kumba Iron Ore in seven years ago got to 20 rand a share, seven years ago when Anglo went to 50 rand a share, last year when Sassel went to 20 or 25 rand a share, you know, uh, after the announcement of lockdown and the whole worry about COVID worldwide, we had that big correction in shares. And I mean, the funny thing is about that is that you knew that this was a health problem. It wasn't an economic problem. It was a health problem. And at worst, you'll have a Spanish flu type of scenario where a certain percentage of the world's population will die. I mean, it's a terrible thing, but it was limited lifespan. It wasn't going to last forever. You know, a debt bubble and the recovery from a debt bubble. You know, Japan has never recovered from the debt bubble of the late 80s. And it's taken us, the world, essentially 10 years to recover from the debt bubble of 2008. So, you know, at the time, or not, not, not at the time, I mean, with hindsight, it seemed very logical to buy shares when the markets collapsed last year in March. But you were so surrounded by bad news and uncertainty, you you were cautious. Whereas now you are quite clearly surrounded by good news, but we should also be cautious. Okay, so this this is the scenario now, and you've got to be very honest with me. Uh, you are a highly respected uh, fund manager, a manager of money, a manager of other people's money, and your own as well, of course. You're very well respected. You are a member of an august financial institution also very well respected and very successful. So everything, everything's fine. But what you've just said tells me that you, you, you're probably a little bit more cautious. But on the other hand, you can't yes. be that cautious. You've got to be in the market. But are you able to put in certain breaks, certain um, hedges in your portfolios in order to mitigate the potential downside that may occur in the next six to nine to 12 months? Look, a um, little bit of a technicality. A lot of our, the overwhelming majority of our clients' funds don't allow us to use derivatives to actually buy protection. Okay. Um, some of them do, and there we have got some protection, but most don't allow it. So most of us say, here's a balanced fund mandate. You can have equity between 50 and 60%, whatever the numbers are. So we'll be on the lower side of that. Because, of course, you can be wrong, eh? Well, you know, maybe tomorrow the oil price, maybe tomorrow OPEC says, guys, okay, sorry, we know we causing some grievous, some pain and suffering, yeah? We're upping oil production by 2 million barrels a day, which they actually can. It might take them some time, but they actually can up production by 2 million barrels a day. And then tomorrow the oil price is $60. Yes. Then inflation is off the table. Then higher interest rates are off the table for the foreseeable future. And the bull market will continue because then no one will worry about inflation. 
So we could be wrong. That's why, you know, as I said earlier on, you become more circumspect and more philosophical in your old age, especially, I think, if you spend time in investments. Yeah, which you, you know, do. Investments is, investments is a place where you don't take big bets. You don't, because when they pay off, you king. That's wonderful. But damn it, when they don't pay off, it flattens you. Yeah. And the, 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 the true key to success in investments is avoiding disasters. It's not finding winners. So it's preserving. Yet, whenever it's pre- I present, yeah. Yeah, whenever I present or whenever I'm on a program, radio, TV, printed media, people ask me for your, your, your hot picks. Pick your winners. Mm. You know, I should actually say, pick the things you should avoid because that's actually more important than, 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 scratching around for winning sectors or winning shares or winning instruments. It's the old cricket analogy, and I've used it a couple of times over the years. It's often the ball, If it, I don't know if you're a cricket fan, but anyway, it's, you're, yes, you're a batsman. It's often the ball that you leave that is the most important yeah. ball of the over rather than the one you smash into the boundary yeah, for four. You smash, yeah. Mm. yeah. And I'm with, you, I'm, with you, I'm with you on that. So, no, so let's, get, let's, let's expand a bit on that subject. Go on. What you must avoid like the plague is develop market bonds. You must avoid them like the plague because there you are going to lose serious capital over the next three or four years, in my opinion. And you must be cautious on being overweight shares. You know, if you are lucky enough, if you're fortuitous enough and you own the FANG shares, nowadays they don't call FANG anymore because uh, – Facebook changed its listed name to Meta, Meta something. Meta, just yeah. Meta. Yeah. So now you know, so, so now, so now, Fang, Fang doesn't work anymore because the F is now an M, so it's, it's a Bang then. <laughs> Good okay, I haven't anyway, thought of so that. If you, were, if you were, if you were lucky enough to own those shares, you have made a fortune over the last couple of years. Yes, take some profits, man. If you're overweight, you know, don't be excessively greedy. I mean, could you have done better if you had owned the FANG shares? You know, if you took a portfolio of FANG shares over the last 10 years, I think you would have outperformed any sector, any individual sector over 10 years in the, maybe even in the history of the stock market. I think in history, They've yes. been such good performers, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't just like a South so Sea bubble or be, late 1920s. This has been a consistent, a consistent and extraordinary bull market that yes. has created and so much wealth. And not disappearing. I mean, yeah, this is not the dot-com. This is not the property boom. This is not the financial services boom. This is not the South Seas bubble. This is not the tulip bubble. These shares aren't bubbles. No. So the only fault you can find with these shares is that the rating might be too high. Hmm. In other words, they don't go to zero. They probably don't fall 50%. But, you know, if the market turns against them, they can fall 20 30%. But then, they will, then you would buy like crazy because, you know, these companies generate money. Although the one little problem with these companies is they are, in fact, too successful. And politicians in the field of social media and influencing public opinion, they don't like influential people or organizations or companies. So I think Facebook stroke, Twitter stroke, all these people you are in, I don't even know them all, in the public space via social media, I think they might as well buy 
all club together and buy a hotel in Washington <laughs> because they're going to be spending so much time in Senate hearings. Yeah, and they've got the money to buy a hotel in Washington. Okay, you've given me a lot to yeah. think about, and I'm glad we didn't get stock-specific today. I'm glad we broadened our uh, discussion, um, and it was very, very informative. Now, I need some advice from you, Wayne. Okay, uh, it's November the 3rd, so I'm going Third, into yeah. – I'm, I'm in the south of Netherlands, and it's getting cold. I have to. I don't. Be getting cold, I yes. no longer wear shorts on my bicycle. I have to wear long trousers, and I, I put on a sweatshirt. Well, and, look, maybe, maybe, Lindsay, maybe. Here we go. Given what your legs look like, you you should wear longs always. Oh, uh, Wayne, I have to tell you, since since I've been in the in, in the Netherlands, I mean, everyone used to say to me, Lindsay, you know, because I used to disrobe occasionally in South Africa because of the heat and swimming, and so, Lindsay, they said you've got ostrich legs. And I said, well... Why ostrich? Because they were knobbly and... and, oh, and they looked like ostrich. Oh, yeah, okay, they're, they're, okay. They're, I've got ostrich legs and legs like an ostrich. So I na- thought they were maybe Wednesday legs. I don't know what that means. but um, It means Wednesday going to break. <laughs> anyway, let's or get Thursday back to- legs. <laughs> anyway... I used to be... Thursday legs or Thursday bend, then they break. People used to say that I had ostrich legs. But since I've been in the Netherlands yeah. and I've done a lot more walking and a lot more cycling, my legs are now... F- I mean, I've got Olympic legs now. Never mind ostriches. Ah, OK, so they've built up, built up a bit of beef there. Oh, my goodness Anyway, me. as you were saying, you're wearing long pants now. Yes, exactly. But anyway, that's not the point. The point is that it's getting cold here and it's getting warm there. So what I'm going into yes. now is what they call roast, uh, roast, uh, Sunday roast weather. And I'm not a meat eater, as you know, but I need your advice now. I've got to host a couple of people coming over in two weeks' time. And I've got to decide, and you've got to help me here. I've got to decide between the following, and just listen to the whole list, if you would. I mean, obviously, I'm going to have those roast potatoes, which I boil first and get them really, really fluffy, and then roast them in a high heat with a bit of butter and olive oil and some rosemary and salt and pepper, etc. I'm very good at roast potatoes. I roast vegetables as well. Yeah, turnips, parsnips, uh, carrots. So root vegetables are roasted as well in butter. And then some leafy vegetables also, some broccoli and spinach, that sort of thing. You know, so it's good and a really good thick sort of onion-based gravy and stock yes. gravy to go on it. But the important thing is that I need to know from you is the choice of meat because these are meat eaters. You've got number one. Okay. Okay, listen carefully. Number one, chicken. Number two, beef. Number three, pork. Number four, lamb. Or number five, yeah. and I have a good uh, – because it's hunting season here – now, there's some game out there. So it, it may yeah. be a pheasant or, um, or a warthog, or not warthog, but um, uh, certainly well, yeah, there's, there's, there's deer here as well. So they, they, they shoot these animals. Yeah. So of all of those, yeah. which is the one that you would choose? Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I'm, not, I'm not a big venison fan. I okay. have never had a good venison in my life. Also, I've never had a good ostrich in my life. So okay. And the venison and the game meat for me would be out. Right. Man, pork, I don't know, pork can be dry unless you're a really good cook. Well, I am, you but know, anyway. Unless you really know. Yeah, so pork can be a little bit dry, although crackling is obviously one of my favorites. Yes. Man, I, I would go for the rare roast beef. But having said that, yes. I went to see a friend of mine. Uh, this is a friend that I've had since the late 70s when I lived in Maritzburg. Mm-hmm. And he's just retired now, and he's moved into a retirement village. Perish the thought that a friend of yours is now living in a retirement village <laughs> north of Pretoria in a very nice game farm. 
Oh, yeah. And they've just moved in literally you know, a couple of weeks ago, and we went to go and see them on Saturday at their new retirement village in, the game, in this game farm nature reserve. Very, very nice, I must say. Mm. And he, he, him and his wife, the two of them, did a lovely roast chicken with roast vegetables, as you described. Yeah, you see this. And roast potatoes, mm. as you described. Yeah. They didn't have broccoli, thank mm. goodness. No, sorry, they did have broccoli, but I'm not a broccoli fan. But the, the, the mm. roast chicken with the nice crispy skin, it, it was actually delicious. And you stuff it with so you stuff it with chicken or beef. You, you stuff it with loads of cloves of garlic as well, and that garlic caramelizes. Yes. And it's got to be a big plump organic chicken. And then you also lift yeah, the skin nice. from the breast and put in uh, put in butter underneath the skin, between the skin yeah. and the breast, all that sort of thing. But uh, if, maybe 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 hmm? maybe a roast chicken rather than a rare roast beef. Okay, but if you maybe did go for the roast beef. Chicken. Okay, that, that's, yeah. that's okay. So there's a contender there with the chicken. Let me write this down. Chicken. Wayne says chicken. Um, and beef. Which cut of beef yeah. is it? This is the, the key question because there are various parts of the cow. To, I think you've got to go fillet. Really? Yeah, I, I, I think so, yes. So, Although, you know, I'm, I'm not – I mean, I've, I've been to a good couple of restaurants and they offer you the New York cut and various other cuts, but – you know, when I go eat a steak, I have a rump steak. Mm. You know, maybe a fillet. So I, I don't know too many other cuts of, 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 of beef. I certainly wouldn't do a topside roast. Topside, my grand used to do topside roast. No, it's too tough. Good. It's too tough. Or maybe, or maybe she was a bad cook, but she did the topside roast. Probably a bit of both. Good. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's yeah. too tough. But you do get these cuts now with almost like these giant ribs, ribs of beef that you can roast as well. And so you've got the bone on them and you get that lovely taste of the I've of never the bone. tried that. Ooh, Although having it. said that, you, mm. you know, having just spoken about that, you know, what else is delicious is a rack of lamb roast. Mm. So not a, not, not a leg, the rack mm. of, 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 of rib chops. That's also Roasted like that's also totally delicious. Okay, so you've got. I'm starving now. Yeah, I know. Me too. I'm I'm drooling actually onto yeah, on, onto I'm my microphone. Now, now, mm. now today I had my my usual two devil eggs for breakfast. Oh yes. With which is delicious, yeah. and I had my very usual instant noodle, tina me spicy uh, noodles mixed with water. Let's soak for two minutes, which was which is actually. You mean you had two minute way. noodles for lunch? Is that what you had? Are you telling me you yes, had but two it's minute very noodles? Special kind. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've had it for lunch for the last six months. It is delicious. It's not. It's not Maggie or Kellogg's two minute noodles. But it's full of MSG. Admit, they taste awful. No, this is a one. It well, it well might be that I don't know, but this is the one called Indomie. I N D O M I, and it it makes it makes the other ones. You know, taste terrible. Mm -hmm. All right. So you've had your deviled eggs. You've had your Indomie yeah. um, MSG laden Whenever noodles. I see them on the shops, mm. I buy the whole stock in that store because oh. it is so popular. It's it's often not in stock. So I've, I've so I, in other words, what I'm saying is, I've had my normal sort of pre-dinner meals today and yet i am starving so we must maybe stop talking about food okay but all i'm just because gonna i'm, I'm just I'm gonna still, summarize I'm now i'm still an hour or so away from dinner yeah 
I'm just going to summarise then. So your number one would be the crispy, obviously all the all the uh, side orders all the, which I've described, yes. which which goes without yes. saying, particularly my gravy, which I'm very famous for. And I have to tell you now, and it's a secret, and as no one's listening, I can tell you, you always yeah. put a big spoonful of uh, strawberry or raspberry jam in your in in the pan that has all the juices from the meat and all the stock and I've the never chopped heard onions. Of that. Yes, you put it in. That sounds it, fantastic. It sweetens it in. Yeah, you, you, it sweetens the whole thing. A big big spoonful of strawberry jam and mix it all in. And I can tell no, you, Wayne, you will. That's you, really interesting. I must try that. You must try it, but don't tell anyone. It's between you and me. No, okay. So we've got the chicken, we've got the beef and uh, maybe the, maybe the lamb. Give me a lot to think about. Jolly good. Wayne, thank you very much for your insight on the markets and also food. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. And that was Wayne on Wednesday. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.